without the middle screen this morning. Good job. Uh, so that'll just take us one step closer to what we do next. Amen. <laughs> who, who cheered? <laughs> Somebody's cheering. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. I want to give you a chance to praise him, though, this morning and give thanks. Um, who wants to be the first to give glory to God for something? All right, over here, David. You love concrete, don't you, Dave? No. <laughs> but thank you, Ron, for coming out and helping him with that. God bless you, and God bless you, may you just move it all forward. Go ahead. Do you need anybody else playing or no? So it's not, I mean, just come out and watch or, or maybe be able to play. All right. All right. That'd be excellent. Next Saturday, 3 o'clock. All right. Don't forget. Somebody else back there. Uh, Trent. Trent's got one. Be real loud. Awesome. Well, congratulations, Trent. Yep. We got another wedding coming. <laughs> That's number six, right? <laughs> so there'll just be one more, maybe. <laughs> so, praise God. No pressure. <laughs> Anyways. Any else, anybody else have a praise? Yes, back there, Michelle. Wow, she was in a wreck, rolling several times, walks away without a scratch. Let's give God a hand for that. Amen. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Michelle. Anybody else then before we dismiss our kids? Yes, Todd. Uh, Tuesday, Paisley Ray to Isabella. Paisley Ray, what a great little name, and she's doing good. Well, let's give God a hand. Praise the Lord for bringing her safely into this world. All right. Praise the Lord. Anybody else? Yes, Heather. And let's give God a hand for just taking care of her. <laughs> Praise the Lord. We got to pray when we get in our cars. Amen. I hope you do. I know my wife does when she gets in with me, so she <laughs> prays. But we really do need to pray when we get in our cars and, and ask for God's blessing constantly. It just seems like lately there's just too many wrecks, too many crashes. Amen. All right, let's dismiss our kids to kids' church. Lord bless them as they go. And Lord bless their teachers as they go to lead them. Amen. Oh, praise the Lord.
Well, this morning I'm here to let you know again, as if you don't already know, God loves you who believe in him. He loves all mankind, and he came to save all mankind. But he loves you that you're in his family now, and you have believed in him. No matter how clumsily at times or inconsistent we can be as human beings in our faith, he loves you. Okay, so you need to know that. Lance, he loves you. Did you know that? Yeah. Let's go to the middle of here. Right? Ashley, he loves you. He really does. Glenn, he loves you. And Brody, too. He really loves you. Do you get that? I want everybody to hear that in this place and know that. Look at me. Look at me. He loves you. And because he loves you, that's why you are suffering and in hardship. What did he just say? Wait, is Pastor Kelly going nuts all of a sudden? Didn't you just say he loved me? He loves me and that's why I'm in hardship? He loves me, that's why I'm in suffering? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm going to continue. That's not all I'm going to say. But he loves you. As his disciple, you are not facing hardship because he's mad at you. Somebody say amen to that. As his disciple, I'm telling you, even though you're clumsy as his disciple, even though you might make him go, oh my gosh, you know? He loves you, and, he's, and you're not facing hardship because he's mad at you. And most of us are not suffering because we've done something wrong. Though, we can suffer for doing things wrong. The Bible tells us that that can happen, but it says, don't let that happen. You're supposed to suffer for doing good, not evil. So, sometimes we suffer because we do wrong things. But that's not really what's happening here. Rather, you and I are facing hardship, and you and I are are experiencing suffering because we are doing things right. Because we're right where the Lord wants us to be. Because we're right in the process he expects us to be in. And he's moving us. And because of that, we have hardship and suffering. I want you to know that this morning. We're there sometimes because there's work we need to accomplish that we've yet to accomplish. Or we need to be trained for good. And because we're yet to be trained, we're suffering. But he expects us to move toward success because that's his goal. Our success, our blessing, our being a blessing to others. He loves us. Romans 8.28 says this, and I think we have this scripture that we could put up on the screen. It's a great scripture. We need to commit it to memory. And we know, Paul says, that in all things, God works together for good, and I may be combining different ones here, in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. God works for the good. In all things, God works for the good to those who who love him and have been called according to his purpose. 
There's nothing that comes into your life God doesn't know is going to not come into it. It's coming. And he sees it. But the Bible tells you by faith, if you believe in him and trust him, he's working for your good and for the good of others. I want you to move to this next slide. And I love what this one commentator said. And I, I love it. And I don't, couldn't tell you who said it, but it wasn't me, but I think it's the greatest thing in the world. He says this about discipline. Discipline is, and you want to take a picture of this, discipline is our catalog and our database for what God is doing and what he can do in our lives. Discipline is our catalog or database for what God is doing and what he can do in our lives. It is a vehicle to the quality and results of our spiritual formation. I want you to think about that. It's so true. Do you understand this morning as we sit here and think about it, do you understand, are you feeling it, the benefits of suffering and the benefits of godly discipline in your life? Are you getting it? Do you get that? Do you understand that? Are you celebrating that? I just watched a, a I'm not going to, well, I better tell you. He's a quarterback for uh, Texas. Maybe you don't like him. He's a college quarterback. He had a rough last year. And he said on national television after they beat Alabama, somebody wants to say, whoop, 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 whoop. All right. <laughs> Some of us are excited. The Alabama people aren't. But after they whooped Alabama, he said, he goes, I am so thankful for what I suffered. The stuff I went through. The, the discipline I went through and what I had to face because it prepared me and my team for the success we're experiencing this season. And I'm grateful for it. And this young man has recommitted his life to Christ and to God. And he says, I'm thankful for what I've suffered. Wow! Wow! You know, the original recipients of this letter to Hebrews that we've been in since last week they were struggling in understanding how suffering advanced the gospel, how suffering advanced God's kingdom in them and in the world. They, they were just kind of not getting it, and they were struggling with it. And, and they struggled with it because they had either, they weren't understanding or they had forgotten the benefits of suffering, the benefits of godly discipline. And we're talking about God's discipline. So they were becoming discouraged. They were becoming complacent. They were becoming hard-hearted over the trials and suffering they were facing. Do you find yourself getting that way as well? They were in jeopardy of falling away from the faith because of their suffering. Does that ever tempt you to fall away from your faith because of the suffering you're under? To these weary, struggling believers, Paul he gives them some see-to-it priorities because he wants to remind them of some things. And he gives them these see-to priorities to shepherd their lives and shepherd them into the great life that God intends. God intends to make you and me like Jesus. He intends to conform us into the image of God. He wants to set us free from all the garbage and brokenness that have been in our lives and how we have lived our lives before we knew him. And so there's going to be some shaking and some rumbling with that. Some maturing and growing. And so they're suffering because of it. And there's nothing like 
have in this passage given to us at this time. This passage is meant to encourage you in your suffering, to encourage me in the hardship I'm facing. I want you to read it with me. It's found in Hebrews chapter 12, and it starts in verse 4. And let's just read what Paul has to say. He says, you know what, Hebrew Christian, in your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. What about us today? Has anybody here shed their blood for their faith? Or because of sin, you've allowed yourself to shed your blood? See, maybe not yet. They hadn't either. They hadn't given their life for their faith yet. But you know Paul's saying? It might be coming. Are you ready for that? Are you ready to glorify God like that? And then it goes on in verse 5. And you have, and have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement? So it's supposed to be a word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son. It says, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline. And do not lose heart when he rebukes you, because the Lord disciplines the one he loves, and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you're not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you're not legitimate. You're not true sons. You're not true daughters at all. Moreover, we have all had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we respect and submit to the Father of spirits and live? They disciplined us for a while while they thought best. But God disciplines us for our good in order that we might share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time. Amen. And, and Paul's acknowledging that. But it's painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Righteousness and ease. That means wholeness and healing. Righteousness means the ability to rightly, rightly relate to other people. Like God would. That's a good thing. And then it goes on. It's for those who have been trained by it, but it's a process of being trained over time. Therefore, strengthen, Paul says, your feeble arms. He knows their arms are feeble, and your weak knees, and he knows they're not in shape, so he knows they're having a hard time. So he's admitting that, but make level paths for your feet, so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. Healed. Start back on the process of embracing hardship and suffering to the glory of God and the way God sees it. There is nothing like clarifying the purpose of our present pain, the progress that we've made because of past and present suffering, and the intent and plan of God to bless you and others through your pain. There's nothing like that to remotivate us in our heart and also remotivate us in our faith to endure and run in renewed faith. See, what are some of the benefits of godly suffering? And, and what am I really talking about? Well, here's the first thing. Discipline is an encouraging word. We ought to see it as encouraging, especially from this passage. But discipline is often, to us, the ten-letter dreaded word. I don't like to hear discipline. 
I want to hear the words like freedom and unlimited. I want that on, you know, everything. And that's what I want. But discipline seems harsh and hard and confining and constraining and negative. And so when we first hear it, we think of it. And we also see it as punitive. You know what I mean? It's like I've done something wrong and now I'm being corrected and punished for what I've done wrong. And so it's bad. Or we see it as a heavy burden that I'm carrying. And I gotta bear it and it's, I'm bearing it for a less than desirable outcome. It's not gonna give me what I want. I don't have any hope in discipline uh, or in suffering. But I'm here to tell you something in this passage. It spins discipline a whole nother way. When God disciplines you and me, it's not the same as punishment, although it might feel that way sometimes, because it's not punitive, right? But discipline that Paul is talking about here is training. So you need to write that word in your notes if you're, if you don't have it, it's training. God is training us, just like our opening slide. The father who's coaching his son at the, at the plate, and he's down there showing him how to hold it, how to stand, giving him the, the inside scoop on hitting a baseball. He's training him. That's the kind of discipline that God is offering to you and me. And that discipline means we've got to change our behavior. That discipline means we've got to learn new things. That discipline means we've got to trust and grow in trust. And we have to practice. And it's going to take time. But that's, that's what it's about. It's positive. It's training. So God's discipline is equipping me to meet every challenge that I'm facing in life that I might overcome it with success. That's what God is doing. And God is faithful to show up for practice every day and to hold you there and to keep you there. He is faithful if you trust in him. Are we faithful to receive it, though? You know, how many of us used to just bail out of practices at times because we didn't want to show up too soon? You know, when I first started playing football, do you know what I used to do, City League football? I would actually go to the high school where the practices were because I knew how rough it was in the very beginning because, you know, because I had started at nine and we had, we had professional football players that were our coaches who were also some of them in the mafia. And so, it, you know, it was rough. And I, you think I'm joking, I'm not. And uh, it, anyhow, go on. I would, I would show up for the first week and I'd hide under the bushes and I'd watch them down their practice and down past the baseball field and I'd do that from a hill and just think, ah, suckers, <laughs> they're just getting killed and it's so hot. But you know what? Sign-ups are for, are for a few more days. I don't have to show up. And I just show up there, drink and stuff. Oh, this is great. And I wouldn't show up, and I wouldn't show up. And then finally, when we had to show up, because see, my parents never made me play. But I wanted to play, and I, I was chomping at the bit to play. And so then once the time came when you really had to show up, then I'd walk down there and show up. Yeah, okay, yeah, I want to play. Yeah, I want to play football. And it was great. And they go, Lightenberg, where you been? I don't know, you know, I had other things to do, you know. But I wanted to bail out of it because I didn't like the discipline. I wanted to make it 
put it off as long as possible. Sometimes we feel that way about discipline. But his discipline is necessary. And our coach's discipline was necessary. It helps us to grow in maturity. It helps us to grow in holiness. And so he trains us like an athlete so that we would be ready for what's next. He trains us like a dad does a child so that they can live a better life and be mature as believers and as people. We can't enter the race of life. We can't enter onto the field of life or faith without preparation through diligence, obedience, and submission. And we have to learn to receive that. Man, you know, for me, I'm a strong-willed individual, so I tried to have everything the way I wanted it to be. And I showed you that by me stepping out and watching it, not wanting to jump into the discipline of practice. I was like that in a lot of things early on, until God got a hold of me. And then he changed me. And uh, I did not like the school of submission in the beginning. <laughs> Anybody want to say amen to that? Yes. Because I was having to do so many things I didn't want to do. I had to learn and grow in trust. Oh, it's so sweet. I'm so blessed. I'm so blessed that the Lord loved me. But I remember telling him, it's like you're putting a saddle on me and riding me like a, like a rented bull. And uh, I feel like a slave. And I don't like it. That's what I said in college. I remember at one point in desperation, and the Lord said to me, you want to go back to the way it was before? I'll let you go if you want to. I remember feeling sheer terror that I would go back and walk away from the Lord and live for myself. And I said, no, I'm sorry. I embrace your discipline. I embrace your plan for my life. What sweet, sweet, sweet submission brought. But it was painful. And I had to learn and grow. And I had to hang in there and trust. So rather than fearing or avoiding or resisting God's discipline, we should welcome it. It's the right plan. It's the coaching we need. It's the course that's marked out for us that we read about last week. The training that we need to bring out the best in us and conform us to the image of Jesus. If you're a believer today, <coughs> God has a training plan for you. I guarantee it. And it's specific. And it has steps. And as a believer, we're to submit our lives to him and ask him, is this the direction you want me to go? Is this the job you want me to take? Is this, how do you want me to handle this teacher that's coming against me? Or this coach that's lousy and I've got to endure? Or it just goes on and on and on. We've got to engage God in our lives because he's got a plan. And we can't resist it, fear it, avoid it <coughs> if we want to move forward. He'll, he's patient. He'll just let us stay where we're at, but we won't have victory, we won't have blessing, and we won't be a witness to others because they won't see the victory of Jesus in our lives. So number two, we should embrace God's discipline and training <coughs> because it demonstrates something. It demonstrates that God loves us enough to want to see us grow. He loves you and me enough to want to see us grow. And God knows, <coughs> since he is our creator and he is our Lord, that we will indeed grow. We will flourish. We will glorify him. We will bless others if we accept his training and discipleship regime and see it through. We will be a blessing. We will be able to do it. 
And we got to do it in faith. So I can tell you, you've heard, some of you have heard, in faith, I had to go back. I left my scholarship in college, gave it up, walked away for a year. And God told me that whole year, I never told you to do it. Well, God, I had a right to do it. I mean, I started after the second game as a freshman. I had it made in the shade. I was going to be the heir apparent as a linebacker on defense and be, yeah, but I hated it because it offended me. It, because it, being there rubbed me the wrong way. And I didn't like it. And I didn't like my, my defensive coordinator. And that's a, that's a really soft word to use for. Right? There were so many things that I fought God over. And he said, you need to go back. And so I ultimately had to go back. And then tell the coach, I'm sorry, I was wrong. I want to come back and play. Which he told me, all right, but you're not getting your scholarship back. You realize that? And I go, that's okay, because I'm doing it because I know that I need to do it. And I was doing it kind of begrudgingly, let me tell you. So I didn't want to have a scholarship over my head. And my scholarship, I had to play that next year with no scholarship, and then they reinstated my scholarship after that. But I had to gingerly say yes every year after that to submit to the Lord's training to play football. And you go, what? It's hard, man. I, I used to play football so much for my own glory and for my own goals. And then I had to learn how to play it for God's glory and God's goals and to love people that I found out were just like me, that I didn't love in the beginning, but they were just like me. Come on. So thankful for that. Come on. It was so great. And that just helped me to take other steps, to submit and trust, to stay in that school of submission until that work was done. And I'm able now to be a horse that can run instead of bucking and throwing a fit and running off all the time. It took work. It took years. God does that for us. So we want to embrace it. He loves us. But lastly, uh, we should receive God's discipline and training because it shows also that he not only loves you, he accepts you. He chose you to be on his team. He chose you to be adopted. He actually adopted you into his family according to scripture. And he calls you his own. This shows you that. See, here's some examples from our passage. When you looked at many of the wealthy Romans during the time that this was written, uh, many of them had illegitimate children for whom they were obligated to provide for. Children they had out of wedlock, but those children were also Roman citizens. However, those children that were illegitimate were rarely ever trained, schooled, or disciplined at all by their fathers or their families. Thus, these children grew up like they do in our own society, to be hoodlums, troublemakers, people who just take, take, take from society. They had some wealth, they had some power and position, because they were Roman citizens, but, but they were careless. They lacked character. Their character was never formed through being raised. And they had no apathy. They were lawless, and they created severe dysfunction, dysfunction and breakdown in the civilization. And that kind of stuff is happening today, even. Um, those that have no hope of love, 
those who've had no parental involvement or discipline, they kind of grow up like that, feeling like, man, I just got to get my own, and they're undisciplined. And that's what illegitimate kids were like back then. But in contrast, Roman legitimate sons, guess what? They received the privilege of the finest schools. They were disciplined by their father. They carried the family name, and they received most of the inheritance. <coughs> I want you to know something this passage is telling us. We are God's legitimate children. We are his legitimate children. He loves us. He wants us to receive his best. He wants us to carry his name. We are known, and therefore, because of it, he's going to discipline us. He's going to discipline us. And when I see my suffering, do I see my suffering as positive, as an opportunity, as a tool in the hands of a wise coach, a loving father who only wants my best and wants to bring out my best so I can benefit from it and others can benefit from it? so that I can overcome hardship and pain instead of growing bitter and afraid and being dragged down by it. Because that's what happens instead. Right? That's what happens instead if we don't submit to the discipline. So I'm here to tell you this discipline word is a positive word. Without it, we're sunk. Without it, who knows what I would have been like or what you would have been like. We need discipline. Well, there's a second thing this passage tells us. We're to endure hardship as God's training discipline. Endure hardship. You know, after we see that this discipline is encouraging, we've got to endure it, right? Again, we have to realize that, I want to say this again, we said it early on, it was up on the, on the screens, but discipline is our catalog or database of what God is doing and what he can do in our lives. It's a vehicle to the quality and result of our spiritual formation. Romans 8.28 tells us that. Our Hebrews passage tells us that. See, suffering comes to all of us, doesn't it? It does. It's part of life. It's not easy to bear. It isn't. But it's not as bad to bear when you know it has meaning. And verse 2 of Hebrews chapter 12 tells us something about suffering. It tells us that Jesus Christ, for the joy set before him, endured the cross, shunning its shame. And now he stands at the right hand of God. Do you know what that means? His suffering had meaning. His suffering was a part of God's plan. The Bible even says that he was a man of sorrows, of great sorrow. But he was also a man of great joy. Because he knew his sorrows had meaning. His sufferings had meaning. So for Christians who are following him, our suffering is transformed and changed from now on. How? By the cross. The cross changes it. <clears throat> it shows us that just as our Lord suffered, but overcame, and for the joy set before him overcame, so you and I will overcome. And God has a purpose for our suffering. We serve a Savior who suffered. We know he will not lead us into meaningless suffering. <coughs> the writer points to the importance of discipline and it proceeds to show us that Christian suffering is rightly understood only when we see it as fatherly discipline. 
only as we see it as walking in the footsteps of our older brother, Jesus. So suffering is evidence. It's evidence not that God does not love us, but that he does love us and have a plan. We are his sons and daughters, and we're treated like sons and daughters. So I'm here to tell you this morning, you're not supposed to just grin and bear your suffering. You're not. You're not supposed to do that on your own strength. I'm not supposed to do that. (coughs) Rather, we are called to persevere. And this perseverance comes through the supernatural intervention of the Holy Spirit who lives within us, who gives us strength. We are raised to new life through the power of the Holy Spirit, and we live in that power today. It's available to you and me. So God doesn't, doesn't expect you to carry it out in your own power, but he wants to provide supernatural power that will change you and your heart and your life and give you perseverance and make you a new creation, a different creation, able to carry the load of the suffering you're facing. Oh my gosh, that is true. How much easier it is for me to suffer now because of all the past suffering I've gone through. Somebody want to say amen for that? Come on, it's true. Once you are trained and you learn and you grow, it's easier. But if you get bitter and you resist it and avoid it, it don't get better. You're still fighting it. You're still fighting it. Wow. If something happens in your life that is hard and painful and frustrating and disappointing, what do you do? Think about it. What do you do? Do you, by grace and in faith, look to God's word? Honestly. Or do you go do something else? See, that shows you that pain and suffering has not taught you anything yet. But when you've been trained and formed in pain and suffering, you know the first place you go when you're feeling it, you go to his word. You go to him. You crawl up into his lap. And you talk to him about it. You find out why it's there. You find out what you need to know. And you look for his power. And his power comes and it makes it sufficient. And it's sufficient power. And his fellowship comes and you feel like you're not alone. And then you receive his wisdom and his love. And you know what you don't do? You don't give in to bitterness because of that. You don't give in to resentment. You don't give in to complaining. Because you went to him first. And you went to his word. And you went to the power source to change you. And you endured it. I can't tell you how many times. I can remember different specific times in my life where I just said, oh God. I hate that person. I'm about ready to rip off their hair and shove it down their throat. God, you know how young men can be. I'm talking about when I was young. But I go, Jesus, help me with that. Give me love for that person. (coughs) No sooner would I utter those words and humble myself before him than all I can still remember, love just filling my heart. I went, oh, I'm sorry I was so angry. I'm sorry I was so vengeful. Thank you for the love I have for them. I will be patient. I will endure. I will treat them like the treasure they are to you. You ever go through stuff like that? That's how it works. That's how it works. You go to his word, you go to his spirit, you go to prayer, you rely on it, you endure. And you endure without becoming bitter. 
You know, someone once said that it's better to go through the storm with Christ than to have smooth sailing without him. I would say amen to that. Pharisees never made a, a wise and experienced sailor. Never, ever. And the Lord loves us, and he knows we're going to be on rocky seas, and so he wants to help us and walk with us through those things. He said he would carry everybody. He says, cast all your cares on me because I care for you. So the Lord Jesus wants to carry your burdens. He wants to carry my burdens. And we have to trust him through the suffering and the hardships to do that. How are you enduring hardship as God's training discipline? Think about the things that are hard in your life right now. Think about the suffering you're feeling right now. God wants you to come to him in his word. He wants you to seek his wisdom. And he wants you to follow him in it. How are you doing that? Are you doing that? Are you enduring? What training course of hardship is he leading you through to make you more like Jesus? So you're equipped to serve him. So that you're fit to experience his blessing and be a blessing to others. You've heard, and I know yours is the same, our walk with the Lord has had all sorts of hardship and suffering. But if we've given it to him and as we've sought him, the Holy Spirit, he turns all of our trials, all of our sufferings, the Bible says, to gold. That's what he does. To gold. Do you let him do that as you submit to him? Let him turn it to gold. Oh my gosh. I want gold. I'd love to have certain things turned into gold. Why don't we allow him to do that? Do you have the faith to see that? I hope you do, because that's what he's trying to tell these folks. That means you can even shed your blood and lay down your life for Jesus when he's turning it to gold and using it for his glory and blessing you in the midst of it. Well, the third thing, if there's one thing I've learned through my years of physical education classes, participations in sports, in pursuit of athletic achievements, and some of us have done a lot of that, right? Being trained and having our character shaped and developed through the medium of suffering, that was the key to it all. We had to be willing to allow suffering to be a part of it, right? You know the old adage, right, Dave, what is it? The old athletic adage about pain? No pain, no gain. Every athlete knows that if, they're, if they've been around sports at all, but every believer ought to know that too. That discipline, the discipline that these endeavors place us under, though sorrowful and painful at times, can bring great benefit to us and others. They allow us and others to grow. They reach, allow us to reach great goals, to know pleasure of being fit, free, with no lack. So we're to take the training. We're to receive it. You take it out of our lives, and guess what happens? This is what happens. You want a fair life with no bumps or bruises? This is what happens. You and I forfeit and lose the great benefits of strength, freedom, meaning, maturity, accomplishments, and blessings for both you and others. It doesn't just affect you, it affects others. That's what happens when we dodge those things. Do you view your present pain as an avenue for future gain? Tell yourself it is. It's an avenue that God intends for future gain. Don't be dismayed. Do you see, the more you attempt to avoid or insulate yourself from pain, 
you're disqualifying yourself and you're disabling yourself for immediate as well as future gain. Now get that, I'm going to say that again. The more you and I attempt to avoid and insulate ourselves from present pain, we are disqualifying <coughs> and dis disabling ourselves from an immediate and future gain. That's even a parenting principle for kids. If you try to keep your kids and try to help them to avoid any pain or suffering and insulate them from those things, you're also hampering them and disabling them from future and immediate gain. That is really true because you've got to allow the right amount to be in their life to coach them up so that they are successful, free, and blessed. So, so present suffering and, and discipline, it's the portfolio again of what God is doing in our lives and what he can do in our lives. And it's the vehicle again to the quality and result of our spiritual formation. We've got to allow it to form us. We've got to embrace discipline, not fear it, not try to get out of it. Our goal is to know and serve Jesus, and it takes honest and hard work and faith to do that. God is nurturing us. He's encouraging us. He's calling us to himself. The race marked out for us is this training course of hardship and suffering that God is using to grow you and mature you and transform you in the image of Jesus. So that you can celebrate like that young quarterback celebrated on national television. It's awesome! And it's wonderful today. And I'm so glad we're, we came through that process. <coughs> he knew he was loved by his father. And he knew he needed his father's leadership. And he knew he needed that to be able to be in that place he was at, that place of joy, that place of purpose. And Jesus knew that too, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. I'll tell you what, Jesus is up in heaven now rejoicing. He is, and he's not shaking his head that you're struggling in walking in his footsteps. No, he's there to coach you, to encourage you, to lead you. At the very end of verse 12, or the beginning, actually, of verse 12, it says, therefore. And that really kind of single signals to us that there's a conclusion that's based on this previous passage of talking about discipline. And so, because, so it says, therefore, telling us, because God disciplines us for our good, keep walking the path he's laid out for you. Don't grow weary with it. Don't try to avoid it. Don't try to dodge it. Don't try to control it. Don't try to, you know, manipulate it in any way. Accept it. Recognize that God is working to make a work of art out of you. So determine that you're going to continue in that way that he's called you, regardless. Regardless of the obstacles that you're facing on that road. <coughs> Trust him to give you the strength. Trust his word to give you the wisdom. And work with the spirit to work in your own life to make you like Christ. Because that's what God is doing. That's what God is doing. He's not asking us to do anything that he's not equipping us to do. So no discipline seems pleasant at the time. No. But what it produces, if you and I allow ourselves to be trained by it, is super pleasant, 
super pleasant. The Bible said it's a harvest of righteousness and peace. There's all sorts of collateral blessings that get thrown out with it and that come along as we accept that discipline and that work. Tons of blessings. So if you want more blessings and fruit in your life, you want to see more blessings and fruit in the lives of those you love, of, of your community or your neighborhood, embrace. Embrace the, the path God's placed you on. Get on it. Man, I hope you did and talked about that last week. I know I kept coming to the Lord. God, am I still on the, play, on the course you marked out for me? Am I running at the pace you want me to run at? Am I where you want me to be today with this situation? And I tried to listen to the Spirit over and over again, which I tried to, but I know we all get off at times. But the Lord brings us back as we keep our, our, our hearts sensitive. And he creates something beautiful out of us. So, tons of benefits with godly discipline. I hope you see that now. And I hope you see that it's not punitive. It's not to punish you. But it's to bring out your best. And it can only happen that way. Let the shepherd of your soul lead you into that goodness. Amen? And lead others into that goodness through you. Let's stand in prayer. Praise the Lord. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord, we just offer ourselves to you again. You are our Father. And you love us, and we know that. And because you are our Father, you are disciplining us and coaching us. Thank you that you said you would never leave us nor forsake us. You would never let go of our hand. Not ever. Thank you, Lord, that we can cast all of our cares on you because you care for us. Thank you for your commitment to conform us into the image of Jesus, even when we want to sit down or we want to coast or we want to bail out or when we don't trust. God, help us again to be reignited to believe in your love and your fatherhood in our lives that you indeed will continue that work that you've begun in us until Christ is formed within us. So Jesus, come, make us a, a blessed work of art. Renew that work, give us new faith to walk in it, and help us to see that, how much you love us and how committed you are to our well-being and our best. And how, let that just ignite us to be more faithful, uh, more encouraged, more empowered to face hardship and discipline and know that it's only for a time and it all has a purpose. Lord, it's in Jesus' name we pray and we all said together, amen. Amen. God bless you.